Hey, JCC fam, how you doing? Greetings in the name of our Lord and our God. It's week number three of Words for 2022. We've looked at the first word, remember, and last week we looked at the second word, rich. And I help you to understand that you are rich and being rich has nothing to do with what you have. It has nothing to do with what you're driving or what you're wearing. It really has to do with your inside condition. And Jesus helped us to understand through the church of Smyrna that our outward circumstances may change, but our inward condition stays the same. If you didn't catch that word, I encourage you to go back on YouTube under the tag Jakarta Central Church and, and catch up. We are also on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can catch the sermons right there and be updated. In fact, there is content from two, three years ago that you can feast on and be blessed with. Today, we're going to look at word number three for 2022. And the whole goal and the aim of this series is to give you words that you can hang your 2022 on. Words that are to remind you about what God can do. Words that are to remind you about His power and His grace. So it is my prayer and my hope that God will bless you and that God would strengthen you as we get into the Word together. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Revelation chapter number 2, and we're looking at verse number 12. And if you have your Bibles, let us look together in verse number 12. Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, Yet you hold fast my name. You did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some here who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans, therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, to the one who conquers, I'll give him some of the hidden manna, and I'll give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. The word for today is refuse. Refuse. Uh, let us pray. Father God, speak to us and do something magical, something miraculous, and motivate us to be like Jesus. I pray for myself, Lord, as, a, as, as the man of the moment, that, Father, you would utilize this preaching moment for your glory and your honor and help me, Lord, to stay away from the message, but simply be a highway so that the message can ride on to reach somebody for you. This I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The blood-brain barrier 
is a beautiful thing because it functions as our natural refusal system. There are things that you eat that enter your bloodstream but are not allowed to enter your brain. There are certain toxins. There are certain solutes. There are certain particles that if they had an entrance in the brain, they would wreak havoc in your brain. So the blood-brain barrier, or BBB, not Big Baller brand, functions as a defense system to keep things that you put into your body. Because sometimes we put into our body things that can hurt us and damage, damage us. And so in God's uh, systemation of the human body, he said, I need to put a blood brain barrier so that when my child, when my daughter or my son will eat, in, eat or ingest things that are not good for the body, at least the command center will be protected and will not be affected. And that is why there is a blood brain barrier to protect you. Do you know that sometimes you yourself can hurt yourself? That you yourself can make actions and make moves that are self-destroying. They are self-sabotaging. And so God understood and he knew that unless I put in this system, then my son or my daughter would be destroyed. I want to consider the word refuse today because I believe that there are some things that you should simply refuse flat out. Uh, you need to be like the blood brain barrier so that some things do not enter your faith universe. That some things do not enter your faith experience. That some things will not damage your faith. Some doctrines will not damage your faith. Some philosophical positionings will not damage your faith. Some ideas out there, popular ideas out there, will not damage your faith. But you will be like the blood-brain barrier and you know how to keep them out. There are some things you should simply be able to say no to. When some things come across your timeline in your life, you simply know that not. Nah, this ain't for me. You know that now nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to listen to this. There's some things you should make up your mind ahead of time that you are not going to do. You are going to sift them out. You're going to filter them out. You're going to keep them out of your life. So let me stroll with you in the text of today. Just like Ephesus and just like Smyrna, uh, God in the Son or God the Son, Jesus Christ, has a message for the church of Pergamum. Or you can say Pergamos, but I've chosen Pergamum today. In verse uh, 12, we come uh, to this word of Jesus. Uh, he says, And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. When you arrived at the city of Pergamum, you came to the sacred way. The sacred way was a paved walkway that those who wanted to enter the city passed through. And it led to the Acropolis. 
in Greek cities, they built this thing called the Acropolis. It was the, their version of SCBD. It was their version of Monas. Some of the most important buildings were in the Acropolis. When you came to the Acropolis of Pergamum, the first thing that you came to was the theater of Pergamum or the excess one of Pergamum. This was a place where there was entertainment and, and shows and there were concerts. People went to the theater of Pergamum, the XX one of Pergamum to be entertained. And right below the, the theater of Pergamum was the terrace. And to the left side of the terrace was the temple of Dionysus. People watched Dionysus or worshiped Dionysus because he was the god of wine. Right above the temple of Dionysus was the temple of Emperor Trajan. The, the people of the Roman Empire, they worship Trajan and emperors because they consider them saviors. These were the people that fought their battles. They were the people that fought their wars. Across from the temple of Trajan, there was the temple of Zeus. Zeus was the most powerful god in Greek mythology. He was considered the god of power, the god of strength. And not too far from the altar or the temple of Zeus, you came to the temple of Athena. Oh, Athena was worshipped because she allowed metal workers and silversmiths and metalsmiths to be able to craft swords and to be able to craft other metal artworks. And so we worshipped her because of that. But perhaps the most enjoyable god to worship in Ephesus was the god Asclepius. Asclepius was the, the, the God who gave healing and fertility. He, he was the God who people went to if they were dealing with cancer. If they had gout on their foot, they went to Asclepius. And it was beautiful to worship Asclepius because Asclepius was, was, it was like going to a church and a spa at the same time. So you would soak in a spa and then you would give yourself sexually and, and you would enjoy worshiping Asclepius. I walked you through the city of Pergamum to come to the words of Jesus in verse number 13 when he says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. You see, Pergamum was where Satan had put up his address. It was a place where Satan threw his weight around. It was a place where Satan had a lot of influence and he flexed his muscle. Uh, but so it happens that as a Satan is entrenched and he's being housed in Pergamum, so the church of Pergamum also found an address. I'm trying to let you know that you can coexist and cohabitate with Satan in the same space. I'm trying to help you to understand that though Pergamon was uh, the city of Satan, yet Pergamon stayed a church. In other terms, the church of Pergamon stayed close to Jesus. In other terms, the church of Pergamum did not drift from Jesus like how some of us drift in our relationships. I'm trying to come to this point. 
you must refuse to give in to Satan even though you live in the same place as Satan. Some of us have developed the funny idea that if we are to keep away from evil, we must separate ourselves. Some of us have fought or we are striving for asceticism and separatism. We, we want to get away from bad people. We want to get away from bad places. We want to leave some bad positions in terms of philosophy and teachings because we, we, we believe that if we stay away from it, it is not going to infect us like Omicron or COVID-19. But we need to check ourselves with that thinking and that philosophy because when Jesus is praying, one of his greatest prayers in John chapter 17, this is what he drops. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus prayed for the ability so that you and I could refuse to give in to Satan even though we are in the same place with Satan. In other words, Jesus was praying, Lord, I don't ever want my people to feel that they should fear Satan. I don't want my people to feel like they should run away from Satan. I don't want them to feel like Satan is so powerful that they cannot live in the same place as him. But rather, I want them to have the ability to refuse to give in to him when he is trying to make them his disciples. You hear statements like, I can't refuse him. Some of us say that I can't refuse my dad. I can't refuse my mom. I can't refuse my boyfriend. I can refuse my girlfriend. I can't refuse my boss. And some of us, we, we walk around like we got cloud and we say, hmm, they can't refuse me. You want the deal? You want the promotion? I'll just talk to the boss and he will make it happen because they cannot refuse me. And I believe that in some of our lives, the devil feels the same way that some of us cannot refuse him. He knows how to push our buttons. He knows our baby sins, the ones that we cuddle, the ones that we breastfeed, the ones that we, we put in our hands and rock. He knows those favorite sins. He knows how some of us are tempted in certain ways. So he simply knows that if I put this person in this situation, if I put him or her in this particular space and I know that I'm going to get them. I don't know if I'm speaking to you today that the devil has mastered some of us. He has known some of us that he 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 knows that we cannot tell him no. He knows that we cannot say Satan back away from him. But Jesus didn't approach it like that. He says, I'm praying, Lord, that they can be able to refuse Satan. They can be able to refuse to give in to him. Pastor writer Karen Newhoff says something that I want to help you to relate to. He says, the inability to refuse will vaporize your life with other people's priorities being fulfilled than your own. So let me upgrade this statement to fit and suit our sermon today. If you can't refuse Satan, if you can't refuse Satan, you will not be able to fulfill the dreams of God in your life. You see, Satan wants to do everything possible to enable you. Satan wants to do everything possible to unable you. It was a tree that a couple ate that enabled them. And here we are dealing with sin, dealing with COVID-19. And out of passion, when David saw her when she was nude and he invited her to his room, 
made him ineffective to rule his own house and his own son Absalom stood up to take him out. It was a love of money that enabled Judas to stay away from treachery and he kissed our Lord and put him in the hands of thieves in hands of the egotistical, in hands of people that wanted to destroy him. Uh, allow me to let you know that pride will enable you. Sexual immorality will enable you. A critical spirit will enable you. Criticizing others will enable you. Overspending, inconsistency, a lack of discipline, being in a state of sadness will enable you. And the devil knows that some of us are at that place and instead of us living a life of power instead of us living a life of prestige in jesus instead of us tapping into the provisions of god we are stuck and unable to live life unable to refuse satan when god through jesus the son of god said god i pray that you don't take them out but i pray that they can resist the evil one it would help us if we can Take to heart the words of James when he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, the word resist presents a picture of somebody who is holding a door while somebody on the other side is trying to push their way in. Uh, to resist is you pushing hard to, uh, to strain and, and to exercise. To resist is to say, you know what, I have put my foot, my feet down and this ain't going to happen because some of us do not know how to resist the devil is some of us we are good at being a nice in saying no to the devil but some of us we need to look at jesus when he is right there being tempted by his own disciple peter to not go through with the cross jesus had to say wait a minute peter Get behind me, Satan. I'm here to let you know that we need to be able to tell the devil no straight to his face. We got to be cold about it because some of us, we tell the devil no like this. Stop it. I like it. And some of us, we have uh, this way of telling the devil no. Uh, it's okay with me. But I won't do it because the Bible said not to do it. That's how some of us, some of us say no. But Jesus is saying, we got to come to the place where we, we, we tell the devil, no, ah, ah, this, this, this ain't going to fly. This ain't going to go on. This is not going to happen in my life. Uh, perhaps the question now needs to be asked, uh, why would the believers of Jesus in Pergamum put their address at the same place where the devil had his address? You see, the only way to shine a light in the darkness is to be a light where it is dark. Jesus allowed the church of Pergamos, the, the believers there, to set up their address there because they were to be a light. Though Pergamon was the place where Satan's throne was, there were people in Pergamon. There were people who could accept Jesus in Pergamon. There were people who were stuck in demon possession in Pergamon. There were people who were struggling with sexual morality in Pergamon. There were prostitutes in Pergamon. They were de depressed in Pergamon. They were slave owners in Pergamon. There were those who were egotistical in Pergamon. And so Jesus set up the church of Pergamon so that it could be a light in Pergamon so that those who were in darkness could see the light 
light in these believers and they would be enlightened. They would now have insight to see Jesus for who he really was. And so we need to understand that God puts us in places where there is a demonic power, puts us in places where there is satanic power so that we can be a light to those around us, so that we can be a light to those who need the, the gospel. And when we refuse to give in to Satan, we say, I'm going to shine my light. I'm going to help you to see there is a better way to live. I'm going to be able to see that even though if you don't have money, you can smile. You can have joy when you are angry. You can have joy when you have been fired. You can have peace when there's a storm because when a person has Jesus in their life, they're able to be stable. And that's where God is calling us to. That if we can shine our light, we can be able to be a light to other people. But unless we're willing to say no to the devil, we cannot fully fulfill the dreams of God in our lives. There is something else you need to refuse today. And that is you have to refuse to give in to struggle. There are some of you listening to me that are in serious struggle. For some of you, you have the struggle of a bad health. The doctors are telling you things, but you know that it ain't working. Some of you, the struggle is a marriage. Uh, you are at a place where you want to give up. Or some of you are at a place where you're trying to find a solution to your marital problems. For some of you, it is financial difficulty. You don't know how you're going to pay your bills. The rent is due, but the check has not come in yet. Others have promised you to pay you back, but they haven't paid you back yet. Some of you are seeking better pay. And you're applying to places, but no interviews are coming up. I don't know if I'm relating with you right now, but I know that some of you have a struggle. And I can, I can also tell you that I have struggles in my life. There is no person listening to me right now that does not have a struggle. You're going through something tough, something challenging. But just because you're going through struggle does not mean that you should give in to the struggle. Let me put it like this. No matter what the struggle is, refuse to give up or to give in to it. And notice what the church of Pergamos or Pergamom is going through in verse number 13. Jesus says, I know where you dwell, where, Satan th where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name and you did not deny my faith in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. You see, right here we have a situation in which the church is in a season of struggle. One of their fellow brothers, Antipas, we don't know much about him, but he has been killed. And, and we know in the context of this verse, he's been killed because of his faith in Jesus. Somehow, his belief system has been in contradistinction with the belief system of those who are living in Pergamon because their, their belief system is satanically driven. We don't know what brought him to the place of death, but I believe that it was something that he was unable and unwilling to give up in that took his life. 
But the beautiful thing is that the church of Pergamum did not close its church and say, you know what, it's so hard in this Pergamum city. Let us close our, our church and let us go to another place. No, they, they stayed in spite of the struggle. Can, can you imagine? They, they were living with the threat of death every day, but they kept on keeping on. Which, which tells me that no matter how big the struggle is, you should not give in to the struggle. Our beautiful city of Jakarta has this thing we call machet. And there are certain times of the day that uh, machet is very high. And since the restrictions have been loosened, uh, traffic is a lot, a lot more. And some of us on, on the road, we get frustrated and, and angry because of the traffic. And some of us turn around or we will not leave our places because of the traffic. Uh, but then there are those days that you know you got to get to the office. There are those days that you know you got to go and meet up with Pastor Henry. There are those days that you know I got to get to the airport. There are those days that you know I need to get to the mall because if I don't get to the mall, I will not get the sale. There are those days that you know I will not allow the traffic to get in my way because I'm interested in the destination. I'm interested in where I got to get to. Though the traffic is a struggle, it ain't going to keep me from getting to my destination. I hope somebody's tracking now with me to let you know that you must not focus on the struggle. You must focus on the destination. And for you and I, the destination is Jesus Christ. There is coming a day that you and I are going to be in a place called heaven. And we're going to have our mansion that has been prepared by Jesus. And we're going to be forever with Jesus. So right now, as we're living life, as it is difficult, we're not focused on the difficulties, but we're focused on the destination where we are going to. Like Paul, we need to be able to say, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, to press on is to say, I refuse to give in to the struggle. I will press on. I will move on. I will push on. You must be able to say, I refuse to allow my health struggles to stop me from the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I refuse to allow death of my loved ones to stop me from the upward call of Christ. I refuse to allow trouble to stop me from the upward call of Christ. I refuse to let my troubled marriage and my struggling relationship to keep me from my call in Jesus. I refuse to let my financial strain to stop me from the upward call in Christ. I refuse to let low pay to keep me from the upward call in Christ. I refuse to give in to the struggle. Two things are going to help you today to not give in to the struggle. The first is you must hold on to the name of Jesus. Notice what the third sentence of verse 13 says, Yet you hold fast my name. You see, Pergamum bolstered some important names. And I've told you about them at the beginning. There was Dionysus, the god of wine. There was Trajan, uh, the emperor of power. There was Zeus, the god of power. There was Athena, the god of metal and swords and weaponry. There was Asclepius, the god of healing. In fact, there were many, many other gods 
But the church of Pergamum didn't worry about those names. They chose to hold on to the name. In fact, in the text, it says, you're holding on to my, to my name. The text doesn't spell out the name of Jesus, but we know that the name here is talking about Jesus Christ. The church of Pergamum says, Dionysus, nah, 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 nah. Trajan, nah, 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 nah. Zeus, nah, nah, nah. You know what I'm saying? Jesus. Because there is no other name whereby men must be saved, saved, but by the name of Jesus. The church of Pergamum understood that these other names could not do anything for them, but only the name of Jesus could do something for them. Allow me to bring it to you in a way that you can understand. You see, the name Henry Temple is only relevant in Jakarta Central Church. The name Henry Temple can pray for you. The name Henry Temple can counsel you. The name Henry Temple can uh, preach an inspiring sermon. The name Henry Temple uh, you can run with. Uh, the name Henry Temple uh, you can lean on in the context of Jakarta Sunday Church. But the name Henry Temple is not going to help you in the context of Indonesia. You need to seek another name. You need to seek the name of Jokowi. Because that name ooh, has power. That name can release you from prison or put you into prison. That name can create PPKMs. That name can build MRTs. That name can pass laws. And so when you look at the name of Jesus, you are looking at a name that is higher than the name of Henry Temple, and you're looking at the name that is higher than Jokowi. You're looking at a name that has power in all the universe. It has power to change a situation. It has power to bring about a state of circumstances. And the church of Pergamum understood that there is no way we're going to give up on the name of Jesus because that name has meaning, that name has power. I do not know where you're trying to go to. I don't know what names you're trying to look for. I don't know what names you're trying to find as reference points on your resume. I don't know what names you need to be able to present and to name drop, but allow me to present you the name of Jesus because of that name can do amazing things. That name can open doors. That name can heal your disease when the doctors fail. That name can carry you in the storm of life. That name will hold you down when no one else can hold you down. And if you don't know that name, 2022 is time to get to know that name. 2022 is time to say, you know what, Jesus, I want to know you for who you really are. I want to know you for what you can do because the name of Jesus is not just the label. Many names are labels. Many names have great meanings. Many names have great purposes. Many names can do amazing and powerful things. I mean, they, they represent amazing and powerful things, but they often lack the power behind the name, behind the goal, behind the purpose. Uh, so let me bring you closer so that you can appreciate what I'm trying to, to say. See, the name Nike means victory. Supposedly, every time you wear Nikes, you're supposed to win. But I can faithfully tell you, I have worn many Nikes and played many basketball games at a rate, but have lost. 
I have run marathons and I've got, I've not gotten my personal best. And you know what I'm saying. Uh, you are wearing names. You've been using a MacBook and, and you know that this is supposed to last and to be a powerful computer, but the MacBook still crashes. Some of you have been using uh, the name Toyota. Uh, presented as one of the greatest cars and something that can last, but you know your Toyota has broken down. Because these names, as powerful as they are, as glittery as they are, they lack the substance behind them. But the name Jesus is totally different because it is not only a label, but it represents the nature and the power and the relevance of this person called Jesus. Because the name Jesus means savior. And if you and I can, and you and I can attest what I'm saying, because you have given your life to Jesus and you have experienced the power of salvation. And you have known what it means to be delivered from temptation and, and sin. You have known what it means to be delivered from darkness and devastation. You have known what it means to live a life without money. You have known what it means to get away from sins that are, have, have been holding you in change. You, you have known that. And every person listening to me who is a Christian should know that Jesus' name has had that power. As Paul would say, any person who is in Christ is a new creation uh, because you know what the name can do. And I can tell you that it is because of the name of Jesus that is why I'm standing here right now preaching to you. And I believe that it is because of the name of Jesus. That is why you are here listening to me. Because that name has power. It has substance. And so in order for you to refuse to give in to the struggle. You must say I'm going to hold on to Jesus. I'm going to hold on to his name. Because when I look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth they grow strangely dim. When I focus on the fact that he can forgive me of my sins. Oh, what is my debt? <laughs> what are my mistakes? When, when I focus on the fact that Jesus can, can, can help me to be the father I need to be, to be the mother I need to be. When I focus on Jesus uh, to help me to be the, the pastor I need to be, then, then, then the struggles and the challenges and the issues that I have, they, 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 they are nothing. And therefore, even when I'm going through the struggle, I refuse to give in to it because I have the name of Jesus, because that name means everything. That name changes everything. So not only should you hold on to the name of Jesus in order to refuse to give in to the struggle. Uh, the second thing you need to do is you got to hold on to his faith. In the fourth sentence of verse 13, we read, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Again, we don't know much about Antipas. We just know that he was a faithful witness, meaning that he stayed steady and he stayed strong for Jesus in the face of struggle. And his death catapulted the church of Pergamum, not to deny the faith of Jesus. Wow. Which tells me that we should grow stronger to Jesus. 
We should believe in Jesus more, even when it's struggle. My faith should elevate when my portfolio is going down. My faith should build muscles when my physical body is in pain. My faith should be decisive when I am in confusion. This struggle should never be reason to weaken in faith. Should never be reason to let go of faith. But rather the struggle should be an impetus. It should be a catapult to grow our faith in Jesus. Please believe 2022 is going to throw on you struggles. There will be pressures. There will be pressures within, pressures without. You will meet struggles at work. You meet struggles in the home circle. You will struggle outside. The people that you're depending on will betray you. Your change will be strange. Your money will look funny. Your disease will be devastating. Please understand that 2022 is going to bring some challenges to you. But those should not be reasons to say, God, uh, I don't know about you. Those should not be reasons for you not to get out of your bed and pray. Those should not be reasons for you to continue to give. Those should not be reasons for you to stop praying for others. Those should not be reasons for you to say, ah, it's so difficult for me. So I'm not going to maintain. I'm failing to maintain my, 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 my devotional life. No, 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 no. The struggle should be the reasons to bring you closer to Jesus. Should be reasons to throw you closer at the feet of Jesus. Should be reasons for you to say, you know what? I'm going to be faithful even more and more so i'm not going to deny my faith in the midst of the struggle and too many of us deny our faith we let go of our faith when when it's hard some of us will talk like this uh, me and god are not good right now me, me and god we have a situation i had a friend back in uh in college and oh a very good friend of mine and a lot of times we'll meet up we'll talk and oftentimes you uh, tell me, Henry, look, man, uh, right now I'm not praying. And right now uh, me and God are in an argument. So a lot of times I'll say, wait a minute, you and God in an argument? Like, what, what's happening? Yeah, I have a relationship with God like that. That me and him argue and we can, we can, we can be on non-talking terms for a while. You, you know what I mean? That, that's how I do it. So she would drop those statements to me. And a lot of times I had to be like, I think you're approaching your situation differently. And I think you're not approaching it in, in the right way. Because there never should be a situation in your life where you and God are not talking. Do you realize that you cannot survive without God's power? You see, many of us got it twisted. And we don't really see God functioning in our lives. Therefore, we feel like we got it under control. We got it under wraps. We got out of bed because the alarm clock went off. We can go to the refrigerator, get out our lemons, cut them up, and then, 
you know, warm some water and then put those lemons in and then we drink this lemon and then we, we, <laughs> we, we feel fresh. And then after that, we, uh, we get on our phones and we start scrolling and checking out Instagram and then, uh, we, we can order, you know what I mean? A grab car. We can order a Gojek. Or if you want food, if you don't want to cook, hey, we can do that. If we're tired, ah, let me get a maid, you know, come in and, and work and, and, and serve. And then we get to the office. We, we do our thing. I want to go exercise. We put on our shoes and we, we go do. So, so we have the impression that life happens because we make it happen. But, but please understand, you don't make life happen. You don't sustain yourself. The Bible says, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse number 15 to 17, uh, the, the text says, uh, Christ holds everything together. It's, it's in his hands. It's in his power. It's in his strength. Uh, the writer of Acts would say, we live, we move, and we have our being because of God. You don't sustain yourself. You don't survive because of yourself. You're not thriving because you have mental acumen and you have financial skill and you have ability. No, 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 no. In fact, you are a liability to yourself and it's because of God's power and ability. That is why you are being sustained. And therefore, even in the low moments, even in the low situations, uh, you should never come to a place and say, God, you've forgotten me. God, you've, you, you're not looking out for me. Therefore, I'm not going to be as committed. No, 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 no. You should never come to that place because if you're thinking like that, you are letting go of your faith. And the struggle should never, ever make you let go of your faith. I'm reminded of a story of a, of a girl in New Mexico. She was 18. It happened just this week. I saw it on Now This. She got out of the car, parked next to a dumpster. She took a baby, put the baby in a black dumpster. I mean, a, a black trash bag and threw the baby into the dumpster. Some people who rummaged through dumpsters found this baby. They called the police and eventually they tracked that this was the girl. And in fact, it was all caught on camera. And when they asked her, why did you dump the baby into the dumpster? She said, I panicked. I panicked because I didn't realize I was pregnant and I gave birth. And, and so I panicked. A lot of us are like this girl. That when the struggle comes, we panic. And instead of us taking our situations to God, we feel that we can put it in our own hands and take care of the situation. But oftentimes what happens is we end up hurting ourselves even more because this girl was charged with um, uh, attempted murder and child abuse. And many of us are putting ourselves in, 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 in troubling situations because instead of us taking our struggles to God, instead of us growing in our faith in those particular uh, situations, we panic and we let go of God and in those situations God is not able to help us and a lot of times we're saying God I'm in trouble God is hard God is difficult when all along if we had been steady 
And if we have been stable and if we have been strong enough to say, you know what, I'm going to pray. I'm going to commit to God. I'm going to seek uh, pastoral advice. I'm going to be around brothers and sisters. I'm going to join 10 days of prayer. I'm going to be at a place where I'm serving the Lord. If only we can focus on those things, then we can be actually stronger. We can be better. But a lot of times, many of us feel that when the struggle is difficult, it's time now to let go of God. It's time now to cut a distance from God because somehow, we associate our problems with God. We think that God is not powerful enough to change the situation. We feel like God is not strong enough to step in. But allow me to let you know that it's faulty thinking that is messed up thinking. And we need to look at the church of Pergamum who said, I'm going to refuse Satan. I'm going to refuse the struggle. And I'm going to hold on to the name of Jesus. I'm going to hold on to my faith in Jesus because that is all I have got. And unless you come to the place that Jesus is all you have got, it will be a lot easier to turn your back on him. It will be a lot easier for you to say no Lord I'm not going to be with you I'm going to do my thing allow me to tell you the last thing you need to refuse not only should you refuse Satan to give in to Satan not only should you refuse to give in to the struggle but you need to refuse to give in to synthetics or if we say it in Bahasa synthesis Synthetis. I had to write that one down. You know, I just, just wanted to impress you a little bit. You know what I mean? You have to refuse to give in to synthetics. You see, a synthetic is anything that imitates something that is natural. So we have synthetic leather. I really don't like that. We have synthetic hair. Some people wear synthetic hair. No, there are many colors these days. Purple, pink, blue yellow synthetic hair there is synthetic shoes and there's even synthetic drugs we have mastered the art of turning something synthetic i mean something natural into something synthetic and we do that for so many reasons because somehow what is natural can take a little bit longer Somehow, what is natural can be more costly. So we sometimes take something synthetic to replace the natural in order for us to still have a similar advantage and for, for it to still function in our lives in a certain way, but at a lesser cost and at less time invested. But while we may have synthetics for shoes, for shirts, for underwear, uh, for belts, for suits, for teeth, for eyes, for hair. While we may have synthetics for those things, but there's one thing that should never be synthetic, and that is your belief system. You must refuse a synthetic belief system. And right here, we have some in the church of Pergamum that develop a synthetic belief system. And notice what Jesus points out. Notice what he says. Notice what Jesus says. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. He doubles down. Look at verse 15. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So, so, so check this 
synthetic belief system. Uh, there was the teachings of Jesus, but then some within the church decided to add to the teaching of Jesus, the teachings of Balaam and the teachings of the Nicolaitans. And then they blended the two. Uh, but Jesus says, ah, nah. What you have created is a synthetic belief system because you have combined the teachings of a man, Balaam, the teachings of a man, Nicholas or Nicolaity, and then you've combined them with my teachings. And unfortunately, some of us are at a place where we have created a synthetic belief system. The beliefs that we have are not natural to the word of God. In the church of Pergamum, Jesus presents himself as uh, the one who has the sword with two sharp edges. In fact, when you look at verse uh, 16 to 17, he says, If you do not repent, I'll come and war with you with the sword that is my mouth. The, the, the sword, uh, the sword of two edges represents the word of God. And right here, Jesus is saying, you have combined the word of God with the teachings of people. And that's not natural. That's synthetic. And some of us are at a synthetic place because we combine the teaching of the Bible with culture. We combine the teaching of the Bible with what other people tell us. We combine the teaching of culture with popular philosophical ideas. We combine the teaching of culture with some popular ideas about what marriage should look like, about how to invest your money, about how you are to rear children. There are these synthetic ideas that are combined with the natural teachings of the scriptures. And Jesus is saying to you and I that we must refuse that kind of approach. You see, I'm glad that some of you will come to me and seek my opinion about the scriptures. I'm glad that some of you are, are honor me by saying, Pastor, the sermon touched me and it hit the spot. I'm grateful for that. Because I, I do work, I, I study, I, I go into it, and I do my best to ensure that there is accuracy in the text, there is accuracy in the preaching concepts, uh, there is accuracy in the application uh, points, uh, because I, I really desire for you to live a life that is biblically centered, not some life that is, that is uh, pastorally centered, or that you're following me. I could care less if you follow me. I'm happy if you're following the words of the scriptures and that's what I try and aim to do but please be careful that I do not become a Balaam or Nicolaity in your life there's only one Jesus and you need to ensure that whatever you believe in is natural to the scriptures whatever you are listening to me right now should be natural to the scriptures and if it is not natural to the scriptures you need to consider that synthetic and deny it and live it alone and if there's one thing we need to do in 2022 is that some of us need to start believing naturally we need to, to start understanding the scriptures naturally we need to start praying naturally we need to start to uh, practice our faith naturally we've been on a th synthetic uh, a practice for too long and just is saying you got to refuse that you'll be glad to know that in the month of February, uh, I'm going to help you to grow a natural understanding of the Word of God. I'm, I'm launching uh, a, a program or a school called JCC University. And you can roll, enroll in that and you can learn specific courses 
on topics like how to study the Bible, how to pray, how to evangelize. And in my planning and what I was telling our leaders was that I would like to do a class per quarter and you can come and study at JCC University and grow so that you can have a natural faith, a natural belief system so that you yourself can get in the word and, and study and know the terms so that you can grow yourself. Because unless we come to the natural place, we're going to be at a place of deception. We're going to be at a place where Jesus doesn't seem real because we have been following and we have been content with a synthetic faith. Uh, but in 2022, we got to refuse a synthetic faith. Uh, we need to go after a natural faith. Before I take my chair, I want to tell you a story of James Meredith. James Meredith grew up in the segregated Mississippi. He was bright, he was intellectual, and he wanted to study in the University of Mississippi, or what is commonly known as Ole Miss. Unfortunately, Ole Miss was an all-white institution. And many black people did not dare to go to all white institutions. They chose to go to historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs. But James Meredith says, no, I want to go to Ole Miss and pursue political science. He applied and he was denied twice. So he took the case to a federal court and the federal court ruled that it was unconstitutional for the school to keep James Meredith out. So James Meredith enrolled again, he was accepted, and he went to the school for his first day of classes. And before he could get to the building that he could enter in order for him to take his classes, the, gav the, the governor of Mississippi at the time, Ross Bennett, stood at the door and spoke to James Meredith and said to him, I, Rose Bennett, the governor of Mississippi, deny you entry into this university. But James Meredith was undeterred. He kept coming, he kept coming until President Kennedy learned about this situation and he sent in the troops to protect James Meredith. And for a year, James Meredith was under protection of the U.S. government to be able to study and he graduated with a master's in political science because he made up his mind that I will not be refused. He made up his mind that there are just certain things that I'll not be denied. I've come to let you know today that there are some things you should simply decide that you will not do. You refuse to give in to Satan, you refuse to give in to the struggle, and you refuse synthetics because you understand that that is the only way that you're going to live. And I've came to call somebody to that kind of life today, to live a life of refusal. Refusal to be tempted by the devil in any which way. Refusal to, to give in to the struggle. Refusal to give in to synthetics. And today you're saying, Pastor, I refuse. I refuse. Before I take my seat, let me simply say like this. There is somebody listening to me that wants to give their life to Jesus Christ, and you can do that. And I want you to understand that on March 26, we are going to have a baptism, and we can start preparing you today for baptism. And you can simply say, Lord, I accept you as Savior of my life. And the way you can contact us is by simply writing us a message 
if you're watching uh, on Facebook or right after the service, there'll be a number on the screen. You can simply text that and we'll be more than happy to reach out to you. Uh, believe me, my brother and my sister, your life is going to take a new turn. It's going to go to a new level because you have accepted Jesus. Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, we've heard your word. Thank you for speaking to us, teaching us your will and your purpose. Today, we refuse to give in to Satan. We refuse to give in to the struggle. We refuse to give in to synthetics. Teach us your will. Teach us your purpose. This we humbly pray in the awesome and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Did that word speak to you? at a visceral level and you want to respond, well, today you can do that. The number's on the screen at our JCC hotline number. Reach out to us and we'd be more than happy to help you to start a journey with God. And if the Lord has impressed your mind to contribute and to give, please do that as well on the number on the screen. And I want you to know that whatever you give will help us to continue to talk about the love of Jesus and to help somebody get closer to Him. May God bless you and look over you. I'm going to see you real soon. Take care.